This is uh, November the 15th. And uh, we are looking at Lesson 11. Uh, it is the word serve. Let's open in prayer. Father, we thank you that you have given us the privilege of serving you. Father, teach us uh, what it is to serve you in the way and in the manner uh, that pleases you. Lord, may we be uh, like the servants uh, that we read of in your word. Uh, may we be holy and completely given over to the service of you. We pray in Yeshua's name. Amen. This is from the uh, uh, week, weekday morning service uh, in uh, Shmanit's Blessings after Pesuka de Zimra. May you be blessed, our rock, our king and redeemer, creator of holy ones. May your name be praised forever, our king. O fashioner of ministering angels, all whose ministering angels stand at the summit of the universe and proclaim with awe together loudly the words of the living God, the king of the universe. They are all beloved. They are all flawless. They are all mighty. They all do the will of their maker with dread and reverence. And they all open their mouth in holiness and purity and song and hymn and bless, praise, glorify, revere, sanctify, and declare the kingship of the name of God, the great, mighty, and awesome king, holy is he. Then they all accept upon themselves the yoke of heavenly sovereignty from one another and grant permission to one another to sanctify the one who formed them with tranquility, with clear articulation, and with sweetness. All of them, as one, proclaim his holiness and say with awe, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord, Master of legions. The whole world is filled with his glory. Then the Ophanim and the Holy Chayot, with great noise, raise themselves towards the seraphim. Facing them, they give praise, saying, Blessed is the glory of the Lord from his place. Amen. That's service. Um, Let's read from Malachi chapter 3, verse 14, and this is just a, uh, a view of uh, service does not always look like it's profitable. Serving the Lord, to serve Him, does not always look like it's profitable, that it has any benefit, that you get anything out of it. Malachi chapter 3, verse 14 says, You have said, it is useless to serve God, and that's the word avad, what profit is it that we have kept his ordinance and that we have walked as mourners before the Lord of hosts? So now we call the proud blessed. For those who do wickedness are raised up. They even tempt God and go free. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another and the Lord listened and heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before him. For those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name, they shall be mine, said the Lord of hosts, in the day that I make them my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. Then you shall again discern between righteous, the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve him. Malachi 3, 14-18. It's, uh, have you seen this in your own life? Those who are dedicated to God serve him. Oftentimes, things don't go well for them, and yet the wicked prosper. And if you remember David, when, when David looked on that, he said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm amazed that the wicked prosper and the righteous suffer. And he says, uh, and, and in fact, when I think about it, it's very depressing to me, paraphrasing David. He says, but then I went into the house of the Lord, and I saw their end. Um, it's very difficult when you serve God, truly serve Him, uh, it's 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 probably something that you have to constantly be guarding against, don't you think? The word serve is uh, is probably well represented in, in you know in believing congregations. You know, there's a lot of people that serve this this congregation because it's made up of volunteers. Uh, 
we have a lot of people have to involve themselves, you know. We all serve. We serve one another. We serve, we serve Him. Uh, but sometimes serving is not, and, and to serve is not the same thing as volunteering. Because it really does, it really does go back to why. Uh, and not just what you're doing, but also why you're doing it. Uh, we see it's everything. It's not just thinking about it, it's actually doing it. And it's not just doing it, but it's why you're doing it. And so we're going to look a little bit at what it is to be a servant. I have written on the board here, Avad. Um, it is uh, Ayin. Ayin is, a, is an I. Actually, Ayin is I. <laughs> uh, and, it, and it is a silent, actually it's a guttural. In ancient Hebrew, it was a guttural sound. Uh, we simply treat it as a silent in modern Hebrew and in biblical uh, uh, spoken Hebrew. It is simply a, a, a silent uh, consonant. So there's usually a letter underneath it, uh, a vowel point underneath it. So this, in this case, it has the sound of ah. And then bait, actually it's a, uh, it's a vate. In other words, it does not have a doggish, so it actually has the sound of a b. Uh, and then a dalit, which has the sound of a d. It's a door. And actually, this, this, is, a, this is a remarkable thing, because it actually means the I and the house and the door. Those are the letters, are I, house, door. Uh, but pictographically, it says, watch the door of the house. And uh, what is kind of kind of interesting thought? What's on the door of some of y'all's house? On the door post, the mezuzah. Watch the door of the house. Have you watched people walk in and out of your house if you have a mezuzah? Does everybody know what it is? Mm-mm. No, not everybody knows what it is. And, and sometimes uh, people aren't accustomed to looking for it. Even if they know what it is, they don't necessarily respond to it. What's the proper response to mezuzah? They kiss the mezuzah. Why? Why do we kiss the mezuzah? So we recognize that this. That's right. Yeah, it represents God's word. That's exactly right. You're, you, what you're recognizing is His name is actually in a scroll inside the mezuzah. That's right. Um, but this 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 idea of watching the door of a house, like a mezuzah watches the door of a house. Okay. Is there an absolutely correct verse for the mezuzah? Absolutely correct verse. Like. Uh, and what? Well, I'll. I'll, I'll yeah. You shall write them. Oh, what should be inside? Yes, yes. It is. Uh, it is actually uh, that those the, the two paragraphs the, from the Shema. Yeah, Deuteronomy six and Deuteronomy eleven. Yeah. I had never heard that. I like to. Yeah. What felt like a very rigid congregation. Actually, that's fine. The day before, sure. They absolutely had. This is correct. Yeah, that's everything fine. Everything else is incorrect. That's fine. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know, uh, you know. Uh, it says, write them on the doorpost of your house. So whether it's actually, it doesn't say, put it in a scroll and put the scroll in a, in a box and put the box on the door and put it at this angle, uh, not vertical, not horizontal, kind of halfway in between, so Rashi and his grandson can be in agreement. <laughs> no, but, you know, those are good traditions. I, you know, I have no problem with the tradition at all. It's hard to be dogmatic about a tradition, though, I think. Uh, but anyway, the point is, uh, what's the response? The response is the name of God. But what's the mezuzah doing there? That's right. The mezuzah, the mezuzah, in a way, as an inanimate object, watches everybody going in and out. And this is a, this is a remarkable thing when you think about it. Everything going in and out of your house is watching. God, of course, sees it all. Everything. The things you buy at the store, the things you take out to the trash. You know, all of the people that come to visit you, and when they leave, what goes on in the house? That's the most secret of all, right? So it's, it's an interesting idea that. Uh, uh, this Ain Bet Dalet, uh, Avad.
It reminds me. It reminds me of Azusa. We're going to get more Azusa later on. So there's a lot of reminders and all this stuff. Uh, when we put it in conjunction with the word worship, shakha, uh, we saw uh, a few weeks ago, and yare, fear. We also see the principle of submission. That's why I read from the daily prayers uh, from uh, where the angels serve God. They serve Him. You know, I mean, they're ministering angels. You know, that's what they're called, ministering angels. Ministering angels do things. You know, they're busy doing things uh, in service of God. We see Gabriel, a messenger, right? Uh, we see uh, angels doing various things. But is it doing anything to stand before the presence, the ophanim and the, and the chayot, which are the round ones, as Scripture defines them in Ezekiel, the round ones, or the holy hout, the living ones? They stand before, in the seraphim, the fiery ones, stand before the throne of God day and night and say, holy, holy, holy. Is that service? Yes. See, what good does that do? It brings honor to the Lord. Yeah. yeah and, that's, and that's what we, need, what we need to begin to think of when we think of service is not the definition of success. That's why I read from Malachi. Not the definition of success that the world or man or you might apply. But what is, how do I know I've done anything of value if I serve him? If you, if you serve each other in a big congregation, you can see people benefiting from what you do. You might come to think that you're serving God. And in fact, you might not be serving him at all. I think because, because we're readers, that's it. That's one of their services. It's sure. Very easy. Sure. That you struck your own esteem. Right. Because you're so friendly. Right. And you're saying hello. Well, sure. And people smile and they say hello back. And you say, well, I've done something good this morning. That's right. I'm teaching this morning and I can afterwards think, well, I actually delivered the lesson as I should. I didn't say anything wrong, at least that I think of. I'll try and correct it if I did. But I feel like all in all, I read God's word. Wow, I did a great job. Did I serve? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe not. Do you see how difficult it is sometimes if you're not keeping the focus on the correct thing? Our definition of success is the issue. The angels stand before God and say, holy, 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 day and night for eternity. And they're serving him purely. That's, that's, a, that's a remarkable thing. Let's look at this uh, first usage in Genesis chapter 2, verse 5. This is the first usage. What were angels created for? That's right. To minister to him. To serve him. They were actually created to serve him. They serve him in a variety of ways, but primarily, just like we read, uh, in that prayer, which is actually a compilation of a bunch of scriptures all piled together about angels serving God, and then as a, an example for us, Maybe you don't think of it that way. But they're an example for us. That's why we say, that's why we say, Kadosh, 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 Holy, 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 as in many of our prayers. is because they're serving as an example for us of those who serve purely. They serve without, without, without any uh, compromise as to whether their own desires want to serve Him or whether they get anything out of it. Or It's pure service to God. So, what were they created for? Aren't they fulfilling their purpose when they serve Him? Yes. So, this, is, this all goes back to fulfilling your purpose. Uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 5, says, uh, uh, actually go up to verse 4. This is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created. 
in the day that the Lord God made the heaven and the, the earth and the heavens, before any plant of the field was in the earth, and before any herb of the field had grown. So the Lord had not caused it to rain on the earth, and there was no man to till the ground. Make sure I'm getting not too far here. That word till, as in uh, to you know, apply a hoe to the dirt, is actually the first usage of the word avad, to serve it. There was no man that had been created to serve the ground. Go to uh, um, 2.15 now. Chapter, Genesis chapter 2.15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to, keep, to tend and keep it. The word tend is avad. Keep it is actually the word shamar, to treasure it or to guard it. So we actually have here is that, that man was created, or man was, excuse me, man was put into the garden. He had a purpose. His, his purpose was to, was to tend the ground, to serve the ground. This is his job. Here's your job. You're the first farmer. That's your job. There were no thistles or thorns. There was no drought. There's no sweat. No hard work. Here's your job. It'll be a pure delight. There's nothing negative to this. Here's your job. But it's still a job. I know people think they're going to be in heaven playing harps, you know. <laughs> but that actually has... Adam has a job. Here's your job. To serve the ground. Seems kind of odd, doesn't it? Think about that. Serve the ground. Was he supposed to take care of the animals? Well, uh, uh, we, also read, we also read that he's given the task of naming the animals. Yeah. But here's his job. He's put in the garden in order to tend it, and, or to serve it, and to uh, guard it. Uh, didn't need guarding. There's nothing bad. Well, there may have been something bad. Um, at least one thing bad. One animal that was bad. Yeah, that's right. Snakes are around. Yeah. Or whatever they were called then. Go to chapter 3, verse 23. Therefore the Lord God, so this is after the sin of Adam and Eve, therefore the Lord God sent him out of the Garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed a cherubim at the east of the Garden of Eden and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the Tree of Life. Uh, he still has a job. And here it says, he's to till the ground from which he was taken. But he's put out of that garden. What's the difference? Demoted. He's been, yeah, he's been demoted. That's true. He's been demoted. But uh, now he's going to do it with uh, uh, a lot of bad stuff going on. Uh, Thorns and thistles. Yeah, really. Where is that? The, uh, <laughs> yeah, curses the ground. Verse 17, uh, halfway through 17. Curses the ground for your sake, for in toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. You shall eat the herb of the field, and the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground. For out of it you are taken, for dust you are, and dust you shall return. Um, man's purpose to till the ground uh, is still there, but now it's not going to be very successful. Now it's not going to have the appearance of having any benefit at all. In the end, he works a lifetime, and he still dies. He starts as the dirt and he ends up as the dirt. You know, what value is that purpose? What value is that job? Well, of course, we all know that it's still a great value because uh, the time in between is a time to glorify God. But the point here is that, that, uh, that the job's the same. 
but it's going to look different. It's going to seem like the wicked prosper and the righteous fail. What we see in this first usage, these first usages of the word of God, is that to serve is a purpose word, and it describes what God intends for his people. It also reveals there's a connection between purpose and serving, and function follows form. Feet were made to walk on, right? So they serve their purpose. So do your feet serve their purpose? If you walk on them, they're doing a good job. So if you do what God has called you to do, you're serving your purpose. You're doing what you were made to do. Do you have to walk 50 miles for your feet to serve their purpose? No. Does everybody have to go, you know, your feet do pretty good. <laughs> People just assume, no, you walked? Okay, so what's the big deal? You did what you were supposed to do. Your feet worked like they were supposed to. When something doesn't work like it was supposed to, that gets your attention, doesn't it? <laughs> but what do we do in life? We gauge everything on the basis of what we measure success against. Instead of it's just doing what it's supposed to do, we have to say, but it did it really good. Not only was it able to drive across town, I did it on 30 miles to gallon. Right? What's the purpose? What's the measurement of success? Is it how big, is it for a congregational leader, is it how big your congregation gets? For a congregation, is it how fancy your building is? Or how wonderful your programs and your ministries are. How many people are being drawn from all around? Is that the measurement for success for serve? And we have to say, what's the measurement of success? Go back to the angels. What's the measurement of success for the angels? Yeah. It says they, they revere the name of God. It's a separate paragraph. It's supposed to be accented. That's it. They did it. They did it. They revere the name of God. That's it. We did our job. We revered the name of God. Continually. And they're not even thinking that as a measurement of success because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because in the process, the process is good enough. They don't have to think, well, did we do it? Right? It's ongoing. That's right. Then you start playing the game. Well, I could have done it better. If I'd started earlier, wait, I never stopped. <laughs> if I started earlier, if I did it harder, if I had put my mind to it, if I dedicated myself more, more to it, you know, that's not the issue. The issue is, did I do it? No, they don't even think about, did I do it? You just do it. That's right. Uh, uh, those of you like Bob Dylan, I'm sorry, I'm in that category. Uh, he has a song, you've got to serve somebody, and that's right. You've got to serve somebody. The question is who? You are going to serve somebody. You're going to serve yourself. You're going to serve the enemy. You're going to serve others uh, in ways that aren't good and wholesome. Uh, or you're going to serve God. It's a whole lot of people in the... Other category. There's only one person in the right category serving him. Go to Exodus chapter seven, verse seventeen. You love Passover, you know this you know this? What's the purpose? Exodus chapter seven, verse seventeen. Why did God free us from the wicked hand of Pharaoh? That's right. Verse 17. Thus says the Lord, By this you shall know that I am the Lord. Behold, I will strike the waters which are in the river with the rod that is in the hand, and they shall be turned to blood. Verse 8, verse 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Go to Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. Avad, that's the word Avad, that they may serve me. Where did they serve him? Did they do very good? <laughs> 
What measurement of success are you putting against that? Well, it's whether it brings honor and glory to God. Who's who's gets to decide? Not us. Not us. See, this gets this gets kind of funny as a while for a while. Here. I'm not saying we shouldn't examine our motives and say, you know, have I been faithful in serving him? Uh, but the point here is, he says, this is why I'm freeing them, so that they can. They, this is why you should let them go, so they can come and serve me. And, and in fact, he says, we're going to go three days into the wilderness, and, and there he's going to offer offerings. Uh, so we see service is also tied. By the way, service, uh, um, avad is the root word, avodah is where we get that. That's actually a word for, in English, translated as worship. We saw that before, didn't we? Uh, we also see, uh, we also see uh, that word being used for prayer in, uh, in the temple. It was all called avodah, prayer. Prayer. It's when uh, anybody could go join the prayer service the Levites were running, right? Avodah. Uh, when you go pray, if you pray either from a store or just you know, pray, uh, pray uh, spontaneously, that's avodah. And you usually call that worship, but it's actually serve. It's to serve God. Go to Exodus chapter 8, verse 20. Here it is again. The Lord said to Moses, Rise early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh as he comes out of the water. Say to him, Thus says the Lord, Let my people go that they may serve me. Remember what he said at the very beginning? I'm going to let you know who I am. I'm going to strike Egypt with these plagues. You'll let me know who I am. And now he's striking him with his plagues and he says, Let my people go that they may serve me. That's right. Yeah, some words, some words, sometimes it's translated worship. It's the word avad. It's the verb avad. Go to chapter 9, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Pharaoh, Go, and, go into Pharaoh and tell him, Thus is the Lord God of, his, of the Hebrews, Let my people go, that they may serve me. How many times are you going to say this? Lots of times. Chapter 9, verse 13. Then the Lord said to Moses, Rise early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord God of the Hebrews, let my people go, that they may serve me. You'd think Pharaoh would be getting the picture here. If I let these people go, they're going to go serve this God. There was a reason why he rose early, though. Because wasn't like Pharaoh was supposedly seen as a God. Well, sure. And God wouldn't use the restroom. And therefore, he would be in the river. Could be, sure. So that's what I thought. Denigrate him, yeah. 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 Okay. Chapter 10, verse 3. That's true. That's true. But he has a purpose here for his he, beast. He hardened his heart. Ten times, but Pharaoh hardened his whole heart. <laughs> what we see is that he actually says that that. Um, well, let's let's read this. First, ten, chapter ten, verse three. So Moses and Aaron came in to the Pharaoh and said to him, "Thus says the Lord God of the Hebrews, Who is he?" Lord of the Hebrews, God of the Hebrews, right? So there's a connection. These are my people. And they're not doing what they're supposed to do. And you're going to let them go so they can. Thus says the Lord God of the Hebrews, How long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Let my people go, that they may serve me. I have, I have a task for these people. And I want them to do this task. You need to let them go. So they can serve me. I'm making a connection between the purpose of... The angels is to worship God. Mm-hmm. The purpose of man is to worship God. That's right. That's it. And worship, in this sense, and this is why we're looking at this from two different angles. Remember, we looked at the word worship was the word shakha, which was to bow down. 
But that's why this word and and uh, that word and avad are related is because this is actually the if you want to find that most times that the word worship is found in scripture it is the word avad it's the same word that some translations make serve that's right it's to do what you were created to do my Bible used the word worship yep yep that's wrong no it's fine no the word that's what I'm saying the words are interchangeable however in English you may be thinking something different when you think worship you may be thinking simply bowing down or religious acts. That's why we're doing it this way. It's not religious acts. That's right. That's right. When we looked at worship, what did we see? We worship him not one day, two days, three days a week. We were supposed to be worshiping him when we sleep. <laughs> That's right. Uh, go to... Uh, um, 10 verse 7, chapter 10 of Exodus verse 7. Then Pharaoh's servant said to him, How long shall this man be a snare to us? Let the, you know, it's like, God doesn't have to, we're going to tell you, let the men go that they may serve the Lord their God. Do you not know, do, do you not yet know that Egypt is destroyed? Well, this, this is telling us a wonderful story too, is the fact that you will do. You will. I mean, if, he, if God has a purpose, it's going to happen. Uh, unfortunately, sometimes it's with us kicking and screaming. Um, all right. That's right. Well, in that case, yeah. And, and notice that this is that they were freed from bondage the ex- to serve the express purpose for the express purpose of serving God. This and this is a message for us. Uh, if we have been redeemed, we were redeemed for a purpose. <coughs> And the purpose was not to spend eternity in heaven on a harp, on a, on a cloud with a harp. No matter how bad that picture is, no matter how you draw that picture, it's still wrong. The purpose was to serve God. That's why we were redeemed. One, one purpose, to serve God. You know, the catechism, uh, for no matter any direction you take it from, whether it comes from Roman Catholicism or from the Westminster Confession, anywhere you take it, the catechism is right. What is the purpose of man? To glorify God. To serve him. That's it, to serve him. That's it, to bring, to, to serve him, to be dedicated completely to him, just like the angels are. You know, I think that um, the word serve, when he keeps putting serving here, the reason why they some put worship instead of serve is because today we have a different idea of what serve That's is. That's right. Like when you go to a restaurant, you get served water sure. or drink or whatever. That's right. So they think that, okay, God wants to drink water, you're going to go get one for him, you know. Very good point. Does God does God need a house? That's what he said to David. David said, I'm going to build you a house. I'm living in a house full of, of nice paneled wood. And look, you're in a tent. I'm going to build you a house. God says, I don't need a house. And does God need, does God need uh, anything? Does he need food? People bring offerings to the Lord. Did God need food? He wasn't a deity. That's why I don't use the word sacrifice. Because pagan deities need something to eat. God doesn't need anything to eat. Right? We, God's service is is uh, is is a uh, or serving God has has a correlation to recognizing who He is and what He's done. What does God get out of it? Who knows? Is, is worship more for Him than for us? You see, this is this is a this is that you know inexplicable thing. One thing we do need to know is that we have to be careful how far we go with that. Then we say, well, it's, it benefits me, so I'll serve Him. Wrong. Yeah. No, you serve Him not because it benefits anyone. Not even because it benefits him. It's because it's what you were created to do. 
It's your purpose. You're, you're actually fulfilling your function. If you're a wheel, you go around. If you're a foot, you walk, you get walked on. If you're a human being, created in the image of God, you serve Him. You know, you don't go, wow, I did a great job serving Him today. What? That's what you're created to do. So what? If you didn't do a great job, boy, that's a bad thing. If you didn't serve Him, that's a bad thing. Because you didn't do what you're created to do. Let's keep going. Uh, Exodus chapter 23. Is this making sense? Exodus chapter 23, verse 24. And we'll read through verse 25. You shall not bow down to their gods. By the way, that is the word worship in some Bibles. May say worship, right? And that's the word shakha. We, we saw earlier in our study, right? And you shall nor serve them. Avad. So they're related. They're connected. Nor do according to their works. But you shall utterly overthrow them and completely break down their sacred pillars. So you can serve the wrong thing. Like we say, you can serve anybody. You're going to serve somebody. Uh, in verse uh, 25, so you, shall, so you shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water, and I will take sickness away from the midst of you. So verses like these that you could start playing a little game. Well, I don't have any bread and water, so maybe I'm not doing a very good job serving, and then you're getting the wrong attitude. It's your, it's your, it's your purpose. It's your function to serve him. You have to do what Daniel did. He refused to worship their gods, and he wouldn't eat all their food. He wouldn't sure. eat their meat. He ate right. vegetables. Right. And, that, and Shadrach, Meshach. He wouldn't bow down. That's right. Furnace. Thrown into the fiery furnace. That's right. We see it again and again. But Nebuchadnezzar was brought to his knees. He was thrown out in the wilderness with the animals for seven years. That's right. What about uh, what about Joseph? Talk about serving. Did Joseph get tempted? Who did he serve? He, he fled, left his coat behind. <laughs> right? So in that case, it's not so obvious. You know? But who are you going to serve? Are you going to serve God or are you going to serve Potiphar's wife? Go to, uh, um, go to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 13. and find it here. Deuteronomy 6, Deuteronomy 6, verse 13 through 16. You shall fear the Lord your God and serve Him. Notice we talked about Yare, fear, is connected with serve. You shall fear Him and serve Him. Uh, and take oaths in His name. You shall not go after the other gods, the gods of the people who are all around you. For the Lord your God is a jealous God uh, he's Kana. In fact, that's one of his names. He's a jealous God. Uh, among you, lest the anger of the Lord, your God, be aroused against you and destroy you from the face of the earth. you got a choice. Serve him or don't serve him. But if you serve him, you're simply fulfilling your purpose. Go to Joshua chapter 24, verse 14. Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve him, Avad, in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which are your fathers 
which your fathers served, that were the gods on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites, in the land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Keep reading. And the people answered and said, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods, Avad. For the Lord our God is he who brought us up and our fathers out of the land of Egypt and the God of and the house of bondage, who did this great did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went and among the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out from before us all the people, including the Amorites who dwelt in the land. We also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. But Joshua said to the people, You cannot serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions, nor your sins, if you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods. Then he will turn and do harm and consume you after he has done you good. And the people said to Joshua, No, we but we will serve the Lord. So Joshua said to the people, You are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord for yourselves to serve him. And they said, We are witnesses. Now therefore, he said, Put away the foreign gods which are among you and incline your heart to the Lord, your, Lord God of Israel. And the people answered to Joshua, The Lord our God we will serve and his voice we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and made for them a statute and an ordinance in Shechem. Then Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God and he took a large, and he took a large stone and set it up there under the oak which is by the sanctuary of the Lord and, and Joshua said to the people behold the stone be a witness for us for it heard all the words of the Lord which he spoke to, it, spoke to us it shall therefore be a witness to lend, lest you deny your God so, God so Joshua let the people depart each to his own inheritance now it came to pass after those things that the, Joshua the son of Nun the servant of the Lord died being 110 years old and they buried him uh, within the border of his inheritance at Timoth Sarah and in the mountain of Ephraim in the north side of the Mount Gaha and Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua who had known all the works of the Lord which he had done to Israel uh, which he had done for Israel what did he do here? He wrote the words that they just said in the book of the law and he took up a large son and set it there in the tree. That's a mezuzah. <laughs> a mezuzah was a, was a witness. The coming in and the going out of the land, it was a witness. They piled up stones when they crossed the Jordan. They were a witness. You said you would. Here it is. Will you? You put a mezuzah on your door. You need to make sure that what goes in and out the door and what goes on inside the door and outside the door is going back to this. You're a witness. Does God want just service? No. He wants exclusive service. Not to be shared with anyone else. What goes to him is only to him. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 12. Some people say, well, I better not put a bazooza on my door. And I have to say, if, if, if you're not going to serve him, then you shouldn't. 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 19. And all the people said to Samuel, Pray for your servants to the Lord your God. Pray for your servants to the Lord your God, that we may not die, for we have added to all our sins the evil of a king, of asking a king for ourselves. They said, We will have a king. And Samuel was grieved and said, Lord, they want a king. And that means they're rejecting you. And God agreed. Samuel, they're not rejecting you. They are rejecting me. They want a king. They want someone to replace... Uh, me. They want someone to replace me. They want a king over them. Because they saw that all the people around them had a king. Verse 20, Then Samuel said to the people, Do not fear. 
You have done all this wickedness, yet do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart, and do not turn aside, for then you will go after the empty things, which cannot profit or deliver, for they are nothing. For the Lord will not forsake his people, for his great name's sake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you his people. Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord to cease praying for you, but I will teach you the good and the right way. Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart. For consider what great things he has done for you. But if you will still do wickedly, you will be swept away, both you and your king. And we saw, of course, the first king, uh, the people's choice was a very bad choice. He is tall, good looking, spoke well. Um, Actually, he didn't speak very well. But uh, In this case... uh, People want a man, and they're going to be always disappointed. Go to the, Let's look at the counterfeit and the true. Moses is a true servant of God. In fact, he's called not only friend, uh, but also servant of God. Go to Numbers chapter 12. And when you find a man like Moses, it might be easy to say, Wow. He must have had some like super anointing, and he did have a super anointing. But he might have super anointed. He actually actually was able to serve God in the way that he did. No, Moses simply did what he was created to do. That's it. Nothing extra. He just did what he was supposed to do. Lord practically had to force him to do it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Go to verse uh, chapter cha- Numbers chapter twelve, verse three, and it says, "Now Moses, this is this is God speaking of him. Now, Mo- the, now the man Moses was very humble, more than all men who were on the face of the earth." Go down to verse seven. God is speaking of Moses. I should go up to verse 6. Then he said, God is speaking, Hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. This is Avid. It's from the root Avad. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. The writer of Hebrews quotes from this and acknowledges Moses was a faithful servant. It's one of the reasons why I get kind of tickled when I hear, well, tickled in a bad way, when I hear people denigrate Moses, the law of Moses, you know, this, that of Moses, like, we don't follow Moses, we follow Jesus. That's all well and good, but why would you denigrate, thank you, why would you denigrate Moses in order to elevate Yeshua? Moses is less than Yeshua, that's true. But what is Yeshua? He's the servant too. A servant's a servant. Moses did what he was supposed to do. He should, in fact, be recognized as an example. Well, the reason why is because Moses, Noah wasn't a Jew. Yes, ma'am. Even plainly, not in dark saying. And he sees the form. He sees the form. And I don't even know if it's before or after this that Moses asked to see him. And he says, hide in the cliff and you will see me pass. So he saw his form. Actually, it doesn't, it doesn't, that's not the only place he saw his form. It says he saw his form even, even within the tent of meeting. Uh, you know, what does it mean? I, I can't tell you. This is a mystery. We can't, we can't solve this mystery. God is invisible. 
Paul says God is invisible. Absolutely. He's appeared to Abraham. Stood before Abraham. Yeah. That's right. Uh, a true servant of God is Moses. And in fact, his song is found in Revelation chapter 15. The song of the Lamb and the song of Moses is what the redeemed will sing. Uh, here's a counterfeit. 2 Samuel 6. We're not going to finish, but we'll, we'll try. <laughs> See, we always just attempt. You know, as long as we did our best. <laughs> 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 2. Then David rose and went... Uh, actually, that's not right. Uh, it could be Chronicles, yeah. No, it is right. It is right. Uh, and David rose and went with all the people who were with him and, and uh, Bala Judah to him to bring him up from there, the ark of God, whose name was called by the name of the Lord of the hosts who dwells between the cherubim. And they set the ark of God on a new cart, which was not right, and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, uh, which was on the hill. And Uzzah and Ahio, the son of Adinabab, drove the new cart, and they brought it out of the house of Adinabab, which was on the hill, accompanied, accompanying the ark of God. And Ahio, Ahio went before the ark. Then David and all the house of Israel played music before the Lord on all kinds of instruments of fir uh, wood, on harps, string instruments, tambourines, cisterns, and on cymbals. Uh, this, is like a, this is like a worship service. Wow. It's wonderful. It came to uh, Nahon's threshing floor. Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. And the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah, and God struck him with, it, with his error, and he died there by the ark of God. Hey, it's a worship service. I mean, he's being honoring the Lord. He doesn't want the ark to tumble off onto the ground. He puts his hand up to settle it. He gets struck dead. Not service. He did not serve God. Why? Serving God means obeying him. And if you can't obey him, don't say, well, I'm serving God. By the way, David wasn't serving either because he put it on a cart. It wasn't allowed to be put on a cart. It was supposed to be carried, wasn't it? God didn't need Uzzah to save the ark. He didn't. He didn't need him. If you think that God needs you, that you're willing to disobey him or to blur the lines or to compromise because he needs you, that's not service. Lord, I know that I'm a leader in a congregation or I'm, I'm in a leadership role of congregation and, and uh, however you know uh, we've got to cover this up what I've done or whatever else because it'll bring dishonor to your name well God doesn't need you but most of them have done without even thinking about it you know? yeah, sure it's good exactly now let's look at the reverse of that let's look at the reverse of that if you keep on reading, and I'm not going to go into it because we don't have time, David takes the ark and he says, I'm not going to move it. This thing's dangerous. God is dangerous, by the way. And this thing is dangerous. I'm going to take it and I'm going to put it here. Here's the house nearby. Obed-Edom, uh, who is named Obed, which means a servant, Avad. Obed-Edom, we need to take this and put the ark in your house. Will you keep it? Oh, yes, I'll keep it. No problem. <laughs> Obed-Edom's house is like, uh, I mean... Just keep an ark in his house. The presence of God was there. And like, I mean, unbelievable blessings. You know, six tuplets. You know. Uh, you know. Unbelievable blessings. That, that would be a blessing. Unbelievable blessings come to his house. And David goes and finds out, you know, Obed-Edom's keeping the ark and it's not dangerous to him. What's the difference between Obed-Edom and Uzzah? Yeah. What did Obed-Edom do? 
what he was supposed to do. He obeyed God. He didn't touch the ark. That's right. He obeyed God. He just obeyed God. Don't touch it. Okay, I won't touch it. And that brings glory to God. And what's the result? Great blessings coming over to Edom. And so, it's so much so that David goes, I want some of that. Let's get the ark. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. So let's get the ark. This time, let's not put it on a cart. We're going to carry it on poles. Uh, they still have the nice little worship service on the way, but they bring it, they bring it to Jerusalem. So we see this, uh, we see this great, great uh, example of bad service versus good service. Bad service is when you think God needs you. Good service is when you just simply obey Him. That's it. Just, just obey Him. Um, I'm going to go to Luke, and then we're going to end up at Luke chapter 17, verse 7. No one was allowed to touch the ark, ever. After it was created by Bezalel, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, no one touched it. But they had to move it. Well, they touched it with poles. The poles only. But the poles weren't attached. The poles were inserted in... in, 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 And it had to be covered, that's right. Couldn't be looked on. Yeah, this is... uh, God is a dangerous God. Go to Luke chapter 17. And I want to leave us with this, and we're going to, we're going to run the service after this. So, uh, to service. There we go. What about the ark? I wouldn't touch it. <laughs> when, you find, when you find it, don't touch it. it. Well, I don't know if it's in Ethiopia. I doubt if it's in Ethiopia. But. Luke chapter 17, verse 7. Yeah, if you look in Revelation, the ark is in, it says, And the heavens were open, and I saw the ark of God. Uh, uh, Luke chapter 17. Actually, I think it's in the buried in the wilderness of Judea. Luke 17, verse 7. And which of you, having a servant, this is Yeshua's words, and which of you, having a servant, plowing or tending sheep, will say to him when he has come in from the field, in other words, if you have a servant and they come in, they're all sweaty, they're tired, will say to him, come at once, sit down and eat. But will he not rather say to him, the master, would not the master rather say to the servant, prepare something for my supper and gird yourself and serve me till I have eaten and drink. And afterwards, you will eat and drink. Does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I think not. So likewise, when you have done all those things, these are Yeshua's words to us. When you have done all those things which are commanded, say, you say to me, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. You can't pat yourself on the back and serve. I serve the Master well. You can't say, wow, I've reached this point in my life and I've, I've, done a, I've been a good servant of Yeshua, the Messiah. No, we're supposed to say, I've been unprofitable. I haven't done anything for you. You know, you have benefited nothing from having me as your servant. I've just done what was my duty. You made me. You created me. I've just done my duty. And I haven't done it very well even. But I just, I just did my duty. We do, not, we do not serve God for something. We serve Him because that's what we were created to do. And if we're not serving Him, if we're not doing what we were created to do, we're bringing Him dishonor. And when we do serve Him and do what we were created to do, we do bring Him glory, but we are unprofitable servants. We're just doing our duty. There's nothing we can pat ourselves in the back for. The question is, are you going to be like Obed-Edom? Just simply content to serve him. Just obey him. Don't touch the ark. Just to serve him. To stand near him and to listen and to watch. That is a real verb. It really is. That is a real doing something. 
But it can't be a part of the equation. God certainly gives a reward, but it's his response is a gracious response, not because we deserve it. From Revelation chapter 22 says, And there shall be no curse but the throne of God, and the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. Yes, we are going to have a job. <laughs> they shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. Revelation 22, 3, verse 4. Let's uh, close in prayer. Father, thank you that you have called us into your service, that we are called to serve you. Thank you that you have created us for a purpose, and that purpose is a lofty and eternal purpose that we will never uh, completely fulfill, that we will never uh, finish, but it was continual for eternity will we serve you. Thank you that you have called us into your service, that you created us for this great and awesome task. Father, may we be, may we be faithful in the simple and small things in life to serve you. In Yeshua's name, Amen. Thank mm-hmm. you.